Do your friends believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Do you? How can you be sure one way or another? Anchored by Truth is here to help. In the book of Acts, Luke mentions 32 countries, 54 cities, and nine Mediterranean islands, and prominent scholars such as J.B. Lightfoot have concluded that Luke got their locations, relative positions, and cultural peculiarities all correct. To hear more evidence that you can use to be sure for yourself that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God, tune in to Anchored by Truth on Wave FM every Tuesday morning at 11.30, or listen to previous episodes on your favorite podcast app. Faith in the Bible isn't about a leap in the dark, it's about walking in the light of reason and evidence, and Anchored by Truth is here to help you discover that light. Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians chapter 4 verses 12 and 13, New International Version. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 10 and 11, New International Version. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into our hands. 1 Samuel, chapter 17, verse 47, New International Version. Good morning. I'm Victoria Kay. Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. I'm here today with R.D. Fierro, author and founder of Crystal Sea Books. As we had announced in a previous episode, We had planned to start a new series on Anchored by Truth to focus on one of the strongest lines of evidence for the Bible's inspiration, fulfilled prophecy. But given all that's going on in our community and nation right now, we thought that we would set that aside for a moment and take some time to meditate on some of what the Bible says to us about how we as a nation, a community, and as individuals can achieve victory over the virus. R.D., care to make some introductory comments? I'd love to. Last week, we talked about one of the most important and reassuring promises that I think is found in the entire Bible, and it's found in Deuteronomy 31.6, as well as a couple of other places, where God tells us that He will never leave us or forsake us. Now, remember that God is omnipotent, 
So when God makes an unconditional promise, which this one certainly is, because he's omnipotent, there is no power anywhere in the entirety of the heavens or certainly on earth that can stop God from following through on that promise. So we have an absolute assurance that God will always be with us, which I think is one of the most comforting things that we can know in challenging times like these. But today we want to follow up on that basic assurance and see that in addition to God's presence, that God gives us everything else that we need. So specifically for today, we want to talk about how God provides us wisdom, strength, and contentment. Well, those sure sound like qualities we all need in times like this, so I can't wait to see how we can all be sure we possess them. But first, we're going to do something a little different than we usually do on Anchored by Truth. As always, we're going to end the show with a prayer. But today, we also want to open with a special prayer for the safety and protection of some of the most important soldiers in this battle that we're in, our doctors, nurses, and other medical and healthcare workers, and the first responders who are placing themselves between the danger and their fellow citizens. A Prayer for First Responders Almighty, gracious, and heavenly Father, We come to you because you are a great God and a merciful God. Lord, we seek your face and your favor for our brothers and sisters who today selflessly perform jobs where they place the health and safety of others above their own. We are so grateful, Lord, that in our community and in every community in our nation, there are brave men and women willing to serve as police officers, firefighters, paramedics, and other first responders. We thank you for each and every one of them, and we pray that you would be their constant companion and guard. Lord, we know that they have all accepted the call to serve a cause greater than themselves. In doing so, they are following the supreme example of your Holy Son, Christ Jesus, who always placed the well-being of his followers over his own. We pray that our first responders will enjoy the blessing of knowing that you are not only their strength, but their Savior. We pray that the peace of Christ that passes all understanding would enable them to be strong in their work and service. We pray everything we do and they do would serve to bring glory and honor to your name. We thank you that you have given us a part in your great work. All this we ask in the name of your precious Son, and our Lord, Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's a great prayer. And I hope many people will either take it upon themselves to pray for the doctors, nurses, and police that they know, or better still, adapt it to their special situations. You know Christ as his people in all kinds of different places, And therefore, each of us has a unique ability to bring special intercession for those we know about in our own orbits. Okay, let's move on to talking about how all of us can acquire or develop virtues that will be really helpful as we continue to confront the COVID-19 virus. Where do you want to start? Well, with another very simple observation that I think is spectacularly important, but it's oh so easy to forget in times like this. And that is that ultimately this battle isn't yours or mine, it's the Lord's. Now, that's not to say that each of us doesn't have a really important role to play in the battle. We do. 
But none of us individually can control the outcome of the battle. That's up to the Lord. And that's a very difficult thought for most of us in this culture where we're constantly told that we can all control our own destiny. It's a very difficult thought for us to give up the control and acknowledge that there are battles, and this is certainly one of them, where the battle is the Lord's. We can control an awful lot about our own lives, especially with regard to the virus. We can control whether we wash our hands or practice social distancing or good sanitation practices. We can control many things, but we cannot control the outcome of the battle. That's up to the Lord. And of course, in 1 Samuel 17, 14, that was where David said straight to Goliath that it would not be a sword or spear that would defeat Goliath, that the battle was the Lord's and that the Lord would grant the Hebrews the victory. And of course, he did. And fighting this COVID-19 virus can sometimes feel like we're David versus Goliath. But the good news is that if we rely on God, just as David did, the Lord promises to fight in the battle on our behalf, and He can deliver us just as He delivered David. Exactly. And that brings us to our next point. We won't rely on the Lord if we don't know that the Lord will help us. And that's one of the biggest reasons that the Bible tells us in Proverbs 9.10 that we heard in our opening scriptures that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, we all need wisdom in times like this. And if we're going to have it, we can only obtain it by starting where the Bible tells us to start, by fearing the Lord. I think that's a difficult verse for many people because we always hear that God loves us and cares for us. So it's hard to think that we're supposed to fear him to develop wisdom. Well, I think that Martin Luther did a really good job of shining a very bright light on what this verse means when he said that there were two different kinds of fear that we can experience. Luther termed those fears servile fear and filial fear. Servile fear is the kind of fear that a prisoner has for a vicious jailer or a slave has for a wicked and evil master the fear of abuse, mistreatment, or torture. Of course, that's not the kind of fear we're supposed to have for a good, even though he's Almighty God. But filial fear is the kind of reverent respect children should have for their parents, where they respect their parents' role in providing and caring for them. But still, the children have to know that they have a responsibility for obeying their parents' instructions. Now, of course, good parents will try to help their children understand the need for that authority. But if the child is getting ready to put their hand on the hot stove, the child needs to have enough respect for their parent to stop when the parent yells stop without the parent having to make an explanation first. So we will never gain wisdom, true wisdom, if we don't start by understanding the proper relationship between God and us. But notice that Proverbs 9.10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Developing wisdom doesn't end there. Right. In fact, James chapter 1, verse 5 tells the church that if any of us lacks wisdom, we should pray to the Lord and he will give us the wisdom that we're seeking. I've always thought that such a powerful promise. Again, that promise is unconditional to believers. If we ask God for wisdom, He will provide it. And naturally, in addition to praying for wisdom when we need it, we should also avail ourselves of all the other means of developing wisdom, and chief among those is regular Bible study. 
Now, of course, I'm well aware that there's a group of books in the Bible called the wisdom literature, and that generally includes the book of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. But even though those books are collectively referred to as wisdom literature, that doesn't mean that those are the only books in the Bible from which we can gain wisdom. We can gain wisdom from reading anywhere in the Bible, even the parts of the Bible that sometimes seem just so out of touch with our modern lives. Our wisdom will increase when we read and study any part of the Bible. And here's a real key to understanding that. Studying the Bible will help you gain wisdom that isn't available from any other source. Remember, the Bible has a supernatural origin. It comes straight to us from God. It's God's supernatural revelation to His children. And so it contains a form of communicating and imparting wisdom to us that no other book on earth can. So what you're saying is that when God sees us studying the Bible and He knows our intent, because He knows everything, is to gain wisdom, He can amplify our wisdom in other areas beyond those we just specifically studied. It's truly amazing to think about. God is supernatural and transcendent, so He is never confined to our human limitations when He decides to help us as we seek to be obedient to Him. So what about strength? How can we begin to develop the kind of strength that helps us persevere? Well, there are a number of verses that help us to see that Christ is abundantly willing to help us find the strength that we need in times like this. And of course, Philippians 4.13, which we heard in our opening scriptures, is surely one of the best known and loved of these verses. But today you're thinking about two other, probably less widely studied passages, aren't you? I'd like our listeners to think about Habakkuk 3.19, which says that the Lord Almighty is my strength, and that's the God's Word translation, and Nehemiah 8.10, which says that the joy of the Lord is our strength, and that comes from the New American Standard Bible. Notice that both of these verses, like Philippians 4.13, tie our strength, our personal strength, directly to God. So it is obvious right away that any attempts we make to be strong in our own might are doomed to failure. Now for some that might sound defeatist, but it is actually a very clear statement of the path to victory. And the Apostle Paul gave us that path in the clearest possible terms in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, when he recounts that God told him that God's power was the strongest when Paul was weak. And Paul went on to proclaim that he would boast in his, Paul's, weakness. In 2 Corinthians, Paul made the statement, which is so peculiar to a lot of people, that when he was weak, he was strong. But thinking about those verses from Habakkuk and Nehemiah, you start to see what God was telling Paul and what Paul learned from that exchange. Exactly. Remember back to David's statement in 2 Samuel when David confronted Goliath. David told Goliath the battle was the Lord's. So when we try to confront our own Goliaths, whether individual ones like fear or anxiety, or collective ones like the COVID-19 virus, we have to turn to the Lord. The Lord is our strength. So if we try to fight the battle on our own, what we're essentially doing is telling the Lord, step out of the way and let us handle the problem, our Goliath, whatever that might be. Yikes! That's not something any Christian would ever want to do, is it? 
But how then do we turn to the Lord in such a way that it is clear that we want to engage His strength, not our own? Well, I know it seems simple, but the best way to bring the Lord's strength to bear on our behalf, either as individuals or as a community, is to ask Him for His help. You're talking about prayer then, but I know a lot of people who will say that when they pray, they don't really feel like they get an answer. And that's a real problem, because when you begin to confront the world, the flesh, and the devil in the strength of the Lord, those enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, are not going to surrender easily or certainly immediately. Remember that in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul told us that our enemies include the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And even notable believers down throughout history have had to struggle before they obtained their own victory. In the book of Daniel, it tells us that Daniel prayed for three solid weeks before he got an answer to his question, the question he was struggling with about the timing of the Jews' delivery from their captivity. Even Jesus had to struggle with Satan in the wilderness. The key, though, is threefold. First, by turning to the Bible for its wisdom, for the inspiration of our strength, for comfort. But the second key to prayer is also persistence. You know, a lot of people may not realize that when Satan placed the temptations in front of Jesus, Jesus replied each time with scripture by quoting three different passages from Deuteronomy. So even Jesus used God's word to defeat his enemy. And the fact that Daniel prayed for three solid weeks proved that he was being persistent in prayer. So what's the third point you're thinking about? Well, this is a really hard one, I know, for a lot of people. Don't let your feelings overwhelm the facts. I mean, as you mentioned, a lot of people feel like they're not getting an answer to their prayers, even though the Bible assures us that God will respond to our prayers. Now, I understand that sometimes God says no, but that doesn't mean that God's not responding to our prayers. But a lot of people, they'll pray for a little while, and when they don't feel like they're getting through, they're inclined to just give up. So, of course, you know, that's not being persistent. But the bigger problem is that we are inclined to allow our feelings to tell us what's really going on. So, in other words, we let our feelings overwhelm the facts that God gives us in His Word. Remember that we had one episode of Anchored by Truth where a guest told us that his wife had been praying for him for 19 years before his conversion, but she never gave up and ultimately her prayers came to fruition. I remember that. What a remarkable example of persistence in prayer. I hope we can all follow that kind of example. Well, that's certainly my prayer for me, and I suspect that a lot of people will pray for that as well. And with respect to the COVID-19 virus, I mean, the good news is that we're already starting to see many signs of hope that our prayers will pay off. I mean, there are therapeutic approaches that are being tried that were unknown three or four weeks ago. A large part of our population has already started to change their behavior. Many, many major companies throughout this nation are retooling their factories to make things that our medical professionals need. But again, as Christians, we have to keep returning to the orders that we get from our commander. And one of those, of course, is that the battle is the Lord's. Now, even though the battle was the Lord's, David still grabbed the rocks and swung the sling. We can and should pray and trust in the Lord while we're taking action. You believe that the Canadian poet Ethelwyn Weatherall captured that spirit brilliantly in her famous poem entitled, My Orders Are to Fight, Don't You? I do. 
Weatherall wrote this, what I just consider to be a brilliant little poem. My orders are to fight. Then if I bleed or fail, or strongly win, what matters it? God only doth prevail. The servant craveth not, except to serve with might. I was not told to win or lose. My orders are to fight. I love that poem. It succinctly captures what we all need now. We need to take the actions that will help stop the spread of a virus from a human standpoint. But we should look to the Lord to provide the victory. And when we do, through prayer and meditating on the Bible's promises, we can rest in the knowledge that the Lord will come to our aid. And that brings us to the final quality that we all need to be cultivating right now, contentment. In our opening scriptures, we heard the Apostle Paul tell us that he had learned to be content whether he was living in abundance or want. And the way that he could do that was because he could do all things through Christ who strengthened him. Now, earlier in the same chapter, Paul noted that the way to combat anxiety was through expressing thankfulness, gratitude to God. So as strange as it seems to us, especially in our world today, the way we fight through anxiety to contentment is by turning to God with thanksgiving. That is so important, but it can also be oh so hard to do. When we find ourselves dealing with struggles and loss, like with this virus, it can be immeasurably hard to return to being grateful, though I think many of our listeners really are. And I'm actually confident that they are. How can you be confident? Well, Anchored by Truth is a radio show that, for today, is built on a premise that's completely countercultural. We trust entirely in the Word of God, in its inspiration, inerrancy, and infallibility. So because we trust entirely in the Word of God, we trust its prescriptions to obtain the means that we need in times like this. So anyone who listens to Anchored by Truth is already the kind of person that will do the difficult things, like expressing gratitude for the Lord's kindness, in the midst of difficult times. The people who listen to Anchored by Truth are already the people who are going to be the ones who place their trust in the Lord and therefore look to Him as the source of their strength and as the source of the wisdom that they need. Now notice that a close reading of chapter 4 of Philippians doesn't say we're supposed to give thanks for the difficulties, but to give thanks in the midst of them, while we are experiencing them. Suffering and struggle are real, and the Lord knows that. What He wants, though, is for us to grow in Christ by growing in our trust that He will provide for us what we need. It's the trust in Him, it's the trust in Christ, that produces the contentment. We covered a lot today, so let's do a brief review. To gain wisdom, we have to start by understanding the appropriate relationship we have with God, which is one of respect, regard, and obedience, just as we would for an earthly parent. We then need to pray for any lack of wisdom we see in our lives. To gain in strength, we have to have joy in Him and for Him, and we have to cease trying to win the fight using our own resources. The battle, the big battle, is the Lord's. But that doesn't mean we're passive. It means we trust Him for the results as we take action. And to gain contentment, we have to consciously express gratitude for the provisions Jesus has made for us, even when our circumstances may incline us not to feel grateful. 
We have to trust the fact of the Bible's promises over our own feelings. Well, let's close as we always do with prayer. Today we're going to be persistent in prayer for Jesus to give us a victory over the virus. Prayer for Victory Over COVID-19 Virus Almighty, gracious, and heavenly Father, we worship you and bow down before you. We thank you that you have given us the privilege to come boldly before you in our time of need. Lord, we come to you to pray for your help with this terrible virus that has entered our midst. Today we pray especially for the doctors, nurses, technicians, and other medical personnel, and the first responders who are risking their health and safety to protect their communities. We pray that you would be a shield and a hedge about them to protect them as they encounter many dangerous situations. We pray that you would speed the resources to them that they need to protect themselves and their patients. We pray that you would bring abundant resources to this fight and that even resources that are unknown now to all but you who knows everything. We pray that you would impart your wisdom to their decision-making, especially in those situations that they must take immediate actions to save lives and reduce danger. We pray you would uphold them with the strength of Christ, the supernatural strength that comes from you as we look to you. You have told us in your word that you are with us even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Our doctors, nurses, police, and emergency medical technicians need that presence now more than ever as they enter the battle daily. We pray that you give them your peace that passes all understanding. We pray that you would intercede and bless their results in such a way that we would have no option but praise you for your goodness. Jesus was a healer and a rescuer throughout his time on earth, and we know that he lives to make intercession for us. Therefore, we have confidence in him, and we come to you in his holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage some friends to tune in also, or listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com, where we're we're not famous, but our boss is. Do your friends believe that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God? Do you? How can you be sure? Anchored by Truth is here to help. After investigating the historicity of the Book of Acts extensively, the famous archaeologist Sir William Ramsey concluded that Luke did a masterful job of keeping straight the convoluted world of Roman government titles. He wrote, The officials with whom Paul and his companions brought in contact are those who would be there. Every person is found just where he ought to be. Proconsuls, Asiarchs, Strategoi, Politarchs, Magicians, and Soothsayers everywhere. To hear more, tune in to Anchored by Truth on Wave FM every Tuesday morning at 1130. Or listen to previous episodes on your favorite podcast app. 
Faith in the Bible isn't about a leap in the dark. It's about walking in the light of reason and evidence. And Anchored by Truth is here to help you discover that light. Encouragement for the Church Hi, this is R.D. Fierro from the Anchored by Truth radio program and podcast. Many in the body of Christ have rightfully lamented the state of our nation's culture and the decline in the number of those who honor Jesus with their lives and worship. Well, in the midst of the difficult circumstances created by the COVID-19 virus's arrival on our shores, the church has a unique role to play. We can and should be the first to fall to our knees to pray for the protection of our nation and communities and we can set the example of being good citizens as Romans chapter 13 exhorts us to. We can also be sensitive and compassionate to those around us, and we can and should respond to the opportunities to serve others as the Lord presents those opportunities to us. And when we bring the practical love and service to others that Christ modeled for us, we can also be alert to tell them of the reason that we want to serve and help. Jesus established the model of attending to the practical needs of the people who sought Him. He fed, healed, and comforted them, but He always did so with a heart towards giving them the gospel, the good news that He was there to bring eternal hope as well as earthly help. Jesus brought healing to the multitudes and then died for our sins. We honor Him best when we imitate His service, and there is no more important time to extend His love to others than when affliction is in our midst. Crystal Sea Books and Anchored by Truth prays for health and strength for all, and especially that we can all bring the light and comfort of Christ to a waiting world.